0: Besides being a wealth manager to individuals, we are also an investment manager to several institutions. As an investment manager, we have to make presentations to various organisations, in particular charities, foundations and so on from time to time. These organisations are usually run by full-time staff, but have board of trustees making major decisions such as investing their reserves. After so many years of speaking to them, we realise that a lot of them have one thing in common, their unwillingness to bear investment risk. These organisations depend largely on fundraising activities to support their day-to-day operations. However, with so many charitable organisations vying for funds in a small population like Singapore, raising money has become increasingly difficult, especially for smaller charities that are less well-known. Many of their chiefs realise this limitation and are exploring investing as a way to grow their reserves instead of relying on fundraising alone. Unfortunately, many of their trustees do not share similar views. Don't get me wrong, they want the returns but on the other hand, they can't take the risk. Why is this so? Aren't these trustees supposed to be competent and highly qualified and respected people in the society? Well, how does one become a trustee in the first place? It is very common for an individual to sit on the board of trustees for more than one organization. Many of them have been invited to join the board because of their successes and their influence in the professional world, as having well-known trustees on the board adds credibility to the organization. Unfortunately, not many of these trustees may have an individual connection and commitment to the historical identity and mission of each of the organizations whose trustee board they sit on. In addition, how can one have the energy and time to really understand, empathize and care for more than one beneficiaries? So, in making the decisions, they usually take the safer option. What is the safer option? Well, the safer option is about being conservative. It's public money. We have to account to our members. We don't want to take unnecessary risk. These are some of the reasons that trustee may give. But in truth, maybe they just don't have time to understand the investment and probably too afraid to make a bad decision and smear a perfect track record or a flawless resume. I've been told by many in the circle that most trustees will never take any risk during their term in office. The belief is that if they make a good investment decision, no one will thank them. But if they make a wrong one and lose money, everyone will blame them. So many trustees would rather do what the past boards have been doing for years, be conservative, so they keep the funds in the bank or, if anything, invest in very low-risk instruments. This is sad. Given that the returns from these instruments are low and will not help to grow the assets of the organization, are the trustees then really doing a good job for their organization? By definition, a trustee is a person or a company that holds a property on behalf of the beneficiary. The trustee's responsibilities include the fiduciary duty to carry out the express terms of the trust instrument. The duty to defend the trust, the duty to prudently invest trust assets, the duty of impartiality among the beneficiaries, the duty to account for their actions and to keep the beneficiaries informed about the trust, the duty of loyalty, the duty not to profit, the duty not to be in a conflict of interest position, and the duty to administer the trust in the best interest of the beneficiaries. All in all, the trustee is to manage the beneficiary's financial affairs in the same way that he will manage his own. If today the trustee is planning to invest towards his retirement, I'm pretty sure he will spend time finding a professional advisor, getting him to understand his requirements, discuss with the advisors the options available, take time to understand the risks and returns involved and monitor the investments closely. If a trustee can do that for his own money, I think he should do the same for his beneficiary towards whom he has a fiduciary responsibility. By not spending time to understand the beneficial organization's investment options, the trustees may have failed in his duty to prudently invest trust assets and to show loyalty. By only caring about one owns or rather one's own personal track record and resume the duty to administer the trust in the best interest of the beneficiary would not have been carried out. Of course, the trustees can't be made to bear all the blame. I have known many trustees whom sincerely want to help the organisations that they belong to. They are not there just to put a name on their resume. They truly care for their organisations. But sometimes, Members make it, or rather members made it difficult for them. So, members of these organizations have to shoulder some responsibilities too. Every year at the annual general meetings, or AGM in short, we look at the investment performance and smile if the capital is intact with some games and frown when performance has dipped. No wonder the trustees are only keen to show short-term performance and are highly motivated to only preserve the capital to avoid problems at these meetings. One of the trustees we know told us to sell away all their holdings in the portfolio just before the AGM so that the members will see that the profits had been realised. And after the AGM was over, the trustees reinvested the monies back into the portfolio. I do not profess to have all the answers, but the following suggestions, though not exhaustive, may help to improve how investment decisions can be made for the organisations under the trustees' care. And I'm talking really about educating the members and trustees on investments. Investing is really about understanding risks and returns. If the members and trustees of the organisations are convinced that they need higher returns than what the fixed deposits can offer them, they need to understand what investing is all about and they need to understand that investing is perhaps the only way. They then should be educated to understand the risk that they need to take on, how much risk they can take for their different categories of funds such as working capital, Medium and long-term funds, such as an endowment, and also understand how to be willing to take the risk required for the investment. They need to be educated on what asset location is and how it has been, rather how it has been proven that over a period of time, diversification can deliver sufficient returns while reducing risk. Members and trustees need to be educated on how to select investments and avoid following a certain trend. Finally, they need to learn how to be patient and give time for the investment to perform. Collective learning across the members and the trustees is a very powerful way to invest as it serves to put everyone in the organisation on the same page. Well, the next thing to have is to have an investment policy statement. The trustees, with the help of an investment consultant, should put in place an investment policy statement for the organisation. An investment policy statement, or IPS in short, is a document that puts in place the investment strategy of the organisation. It spells out the circumstances of the organization's, its investment objectives, investment time horizon and risk attitudes. It also spells out the instruments that the organisation can or cannot invest in. The IPS also documents the asset allocation ranges and how the investments can be monitored. With a properly constructed IPS, it will compel the trustee and its appointed investment manager to be more disciplined and systematic in their decision making, which would not only Improve the odds of meeting the investment goals, but also help the trustee in discharging his or her duties effectively, all of which can be conducted without unnecessary blame from its members. The next thing that the organization can do is to provide in depth education for the trustees. To help create a board that truly cares for its beneficial organization, The trustees can go through a process of in-depth education to align an individual's motivation to that of the organization's purpose. The education can involve an introduction to the culture and character of the organization and include the story of the origins of the organization and the people, events and issues that have helped to shape it. The education should also introduce the mission of the organisation and discuss how the organisation sees itself in the context of the broader social system of the country. In-depth education can also introduce the concept of envisioning to the board members and train board members to dream about the future of the organisation. The above are some of the ways to help create a caring and capable Board of Trustees. It is my belief that a more caring and competent Board will be able to discharge its investment responsibility more effectively and to the best benefit of the organisation. The responsibility of a trustee is an onerous one. A trustee's job is indeed not easy. Many trustees volunteer their time and their money to serve the greater good of the society. As much as trustees should do their utmost for their beneficiaries, we as members, either of the organization or the public, should give our full support to them by not being too quick to point fingers and judge when things don't turn out the way they should. As much as we want to receive grace, we do the same for others. Thank you for tuning in to Providence Money Wisdom. I will be back soon with the next episode. For more information on my book or Providence services, kindly visit provident.com. I'll see you the next time. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.